0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. We're jumping into this Christmas season with our Christmas series this year. It's called All Is Calm. Now, how many recognize where that comes from? It comes from that song, right? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, right? Some of you singing that with me. And and you think about that lyric for a second, and it sounds really good, right? But I think about that that one little line, all is calm, and I think about how unrealistic that really is. Because, I mean, when was the last time that all was really calm in your life? Right? I mean, most of the time there's not a whole lot of calm in our life. In fact, you could probably look at my life and your life, especially during the Christmas time of the year. And instead of saying all is calm, you could probably say more like this, all is chaotic. Isn't it true? Because we got so much stuff going on in so many different places to be, and it's not just during Christmas. It's like all year round, but especially when the Christmas time of the year comes around. Because man, we got a Christmas party to be at, and we got stuff that needs to be done in the office. We got decorations that need to be hung, and gifts that need to be bought. Some of you have a lot of gifts that need to be bought if you haven't started yet. And we got all this stuff to do, and our lives are just are just simply chaotic. In fact, it kind of reminds me of this passage of scripture that I want us to look at today. It's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today in Ecclesiastes chapter two and verse number 22. Solomon is is talking about this kind of chaos that we live in sometimes. And look what he says. He says, what does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. At night, his mind does not rest. How many can relate to that last little line there? At night. His mind does not rest. You've got all this chaos. you got all this stuff going on in life, all this busyness, all this anxiety, all these places that you have to be, all these things that you have to do. And you come and you do all this stuff and you lay down at night and, and maybe sometimes you doze off. And then later in the night, come on, anybody do this before you wake up two in the morning and suddenly your mind is just going right. And you can't shut it off. Or maybe it's like, hey, I'm with my kids and I'm with my family and I'm not even at work. But man, I can't I can't turn it off. And my mind is constantly going. Come on, anybody, anybody ever been here before? And this is the way most of us, most of us live. And we sing about how all is calm. But for many of us, there's no calm in our lives, in our schedules, in our families, in our minds, in our souls, in our emotions, And how do we deal with this chaos in life? I'll tell you how most people deal with it. Just be more busy. Come on, isn't this the way we do? Like we know that, hey, when I try to shut down, I have a hard time shutting down. So what do I do? I just add more stuff. Like if I, maybe I just have one more meeting and then that'll do it. Or maybe I'll just have one more soccer game and then that'll, that'll, that'll do it. Or check off one more thing off of my to-do list on my, uh, you know, on my phone or whatever. And we fill our lives with all of this, this busyness and all of this stuff that we have to do that we think is so important. In fact, I read a book about this a while back. Actually, I didn't read it. I listened to it on audiobook because I was too busy to read it. And it was a book called Addicted to Busy. And what it talked about was this phenomenon that we see in our world today where we've become so addicted to this chaotic, busyness filled life that we live. In fact, In the book, it talked about some scientific research that had actually been done that basically says this, that when we live from one thing to the next to the next and all the chaos that we face in life at times, what happens is that our body produces adrenaline. It it produces these hormones in our body that actually we become addicted to, to the point where when we we try to slow down a little bit, what happens is we have even withdrawals from from that adrenaline to the point or this is the reason that our attention spans are so short. This is the reason we have so much stress and anxiety in our minds. We have so much difficulty in shutting it down. It's the reason when we lay down at night, when we should be resting, our mind can't rest because our body has become addicted to the adrenaline that is, that is produced by this crazy, chaotic kind of a lifestyle that we live. Even to the point where they said some people have become so their lives have become so chaotic and so crazy and so much busyness that the adrenaline gland in their body physically shuts down and will no longer produce what it needs to produce when it needs to produce it. And this is the reason many people end up with depression and discouragement, even sickness and disease in their body. It's all because of this addiction that we have addiction to chaos. Addiction to busyness, to all the things that we think are so important in our life. And we sing about all is calm, but all is not really very calm. Many of you, this is the way you're living, not just during the Christmas season, but all of your life. And you look at your life and you go, man, it's crazy. There must be a better way. And I want to tell you today there is. There is a better way. It's not an easy way but it's God's way. It's a way of rest. Everybody say rest. And this is what I want to do today. I want to, I want to talk about rest for just a a few minutes today. And I, we're going to, we're going to cover a bunch of stuff. So we're going to have to hit it quickly today, but I want to just share with you a few of the dangers that happens when we don't have rest and peace and calm in our lives. And then I want to talk about what rest is about. And then at the end, we're going to do a little exercise. We're going to learn how to rest. We're not going to take a nap. Okay. Some of you already do that during the sermon, but we're going to learn how to rest just a little bit. All right. If you're taking notes, write this down. Three dangers that happen when we, when we live this chaotic, restless Type of a life. The first one is this. When we're tired, here's what happens. We let our guard down. Isn't it true? In fact, there's this crazy story in the Book of Judges I came across a while back and there's this guy, his name is Sisera, and Sisera is the commander of the of the Canaanite army. This this dude is like a, a general that the, that the Bible says he's in charge of like 900 chariots, thousands of soldiers that he's in charge of and they go into battle and all of his his whole platoon gets wiped out and Sisera is the only one that is able to escape. And so Sisera escape and escapes and he He runs into this little village and he goes to this, to this lady's house. Her name is JL and he, and he, and he goes into her, into her house. And this is what it says happens in Judges chapter four and verse 17. It says, so Sarah, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of JL, the wife of the Heber and the Canaanite or Kenite say all those words. Those are hard because there was an alliance between Jabin King of Hazor Hazor and the family of whatever, you know, the words, It's not as easy as you think. All right. (laughs) Jael went to meet Sisera and said to him, come my Lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went and went quickly to him while he was fast asleep. Look at this word, exhausted. And she, I tell you, the Bible's crazy. And she drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Don't tell me that the Bible's not interesting. Crazy story. Like one you might not have ever seen before. But here's what I want you to notice. Here's this guy, the general, the commander of 900 chariots. Thousands, I mean, incredible warrior. And this little housewife kills him. Why did that happen? Because he got so exhausted and so tired that he let his guard down. And, when it, and, it, and it cost him his life. And let me just tell you something. Something. When we allow ourselves to run like crazy at such an unbelievable, chaotic pace in our lives. Here's what happens. When we are tired and exhausted, we let our guards down and we are susceptible. And it can cost us big. In fact, here's what you got to know. The enemy will attack you the most when you are the tiredest and the weakest. In fact, you look, man, you look at the Bible. Even Jesus, our Savior, when was he tempted the most? He was tempted after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and wandering around in the wilderness. I mean, he's tired, he's weak, he's hungry, he wants something to eat. And in that greatest moment of weakness was when the enemy came in to tempt him the most. And can I tell you, the lives that we live, the hecticness of our lives, the chaos of our lives, they exhaust us. And in those moments of exhaustion, here's the danger, is that's when we let our guards down and that's when the enemy can come in and destroy. When we're tired, we let our guard down. Number two, write this one down. When we're tired, here's what happens. Our emotions are inconsistent. Isn't this true? Come on. Have you ever been there here before? Like when you're tired and then, you know, your kids do something or your wife does something and you say something you would never say before. Right. Like if, if you weren't tired, you wouldn't say the thing that you said or, or somebody says something to you and you take it. And I mean, you fly off the handle. And what's what's really going on? Your emotions are inconsistent because you're because you're tired and you're worn out. And we see this in the Bible. Like with Elijah, Elijah was a great man of God, right? You remember his story, called down fire from heaven, incredible man of faith. And yet this man ran all over the countryside and he got, got so tired and so weak that the same man that pulled, that, that called down fire from heaven is the same guy now sitting underneath a tree asking God to just kill him. He's so depressed, right? And the way he dealt with his weariness was depression. Or we think about Moses. Moses was a great man of God, incredible leader, leading the people of of Israel. And yet it was not an easy job because those people complained a lot. And to the point where Moses got tired and worn out and weary with that. And what did he do? He responded to his weariness with anger. He struck the rock when he should have spoke to the rock. And guess what, guys? When When we get worn out and exhausted from this chaotic type of a lifestyle that we are living, the response is gonna be that our emotions will be inconsistent it might be we respond with anger it might be we respond with depression it might be we respond with anxiety and fear things that are exaggerated in our life that wouldn't even be a big deal if we weren't so worn out but because we're worn out it's exaggerated number three write this one down when we're worn out when we're tired we tend to forget our purpose in fact here's what happens is weariness causes us to forget the why you ever been there before Like you're so tired and you're just doing what you're supposed to do, but you forget even why you're doing it. And then what happens is when you forget why you're doing what you're doing, then, then, then you you kind of you kind of lose your focus and and you get discouraged. In fact, this is what Hebrews was talking about. Hebrews chapter twelve and verse two, it talks about this. It says, "Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary." and lose heart. In other words, Hebrews is telling us that sometimes when we get so weary, we forget why we're doing what we're doing. And the result is we begin to lose heart. We begin to get discouraged. And so the Bible says, Hey, think about Jesus who, even when he was in his weakest moments, he still had joy in his heart because he remembered why he was doing what he was doing. Do that in your life. Cause when you get weary, here's going to be the temptation is that you're going to forget why you're doing what you're doing. You're going to lose your focus on your purpose and you're going to lose heart. So many of you are here and this this, this is where you're at. You've you've been so worn out by the lifestyle that you're living that you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing anymore. And it's a danger. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about rest for a minute. Write write these notes down. We're just going to study it a little bit. The first one that I want you to see is this rest is a command. Everybody say a command. Rest is a command. Guess what, guys? rest is not just a good idea. It's not even just something that, hey, you can do it if you want to, you don't have to. No, no, no. Rest is actually something that has been commanded to us by God. I mean, the 10 commandments, right? Like God put together a list of the 10 most important things that he wanted you to do. And in that list, number four on the list is rest. Remember the Sabbath day and Keep it holy. Now, I don't know about you. Those of you that are kind of driven people, you know, A-type personalities. Like if I was making a list of the 10 most important things I wanted people to do, probably rest wouldn't be on there, (laughs) right? Because I'm like, let's get stuff done. Let's make stuff happen. But God gave us a command. And what was the command? The command was to remember the Sabbath. In other words, the command was to stop what you're doing sometimes and rest. And can I tell you, most likely the Sabbath, this command to rest is really the most disobeyed command of all for Christians. I and mean, we go, we go, we go. And we do all of this stuff because we think that is so important. And we think we have to, we think we have to do all, all this stuff. And God says, "Hey, no, no, no. sometimes you got to slow down. And sometimes you got to, you got to take a moment and breathe. Sometimes you got to, you gotta rest. In fact, this is what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 21. Six days you shall labor. But on the seventh day you shall what? You shall rest. Even notice this, even during the ploughing season and the harvest, you must rest. Hey, if you know anything about farming, I mean in those days they were agricultural type people, that you know that when it's harvest season, you don't do nothing but harvest. And yet here's what God says, even in the harvest season, even in the busy season, even when business is busy, even when family is busy, even in the Christmas season, when everything's going on, it's a command to rest. Number two, write this one down. Rest is not just a command. Rest is a trust. Everybody say this. Resting is trusting. Come on, say it. Resting is trusting. See, this is what rest is really all about. When we don't rest, here's what we're saying. We're saying, God, I don't really trust you to work when I'm not. But when we take time to Sabbath, when we take time to slow down and rest, even just a a little bit, what we're saying is we're saying, God, I'm trusting you that even when I'm not working, you're still working. I'm trusting you that I don't have to make it all happen because you're in control of it all anyway. In fact, resting the Sabbath is really a whole lot like the tithe. We talk about the tithe a lot around here. And what we learn about the tithe is this, is that when we give God 10% of our income, what we're really doing is trusting God that if we obey his promises, if we give him that 10%, he will bless the 90%. And the 90% will actually go further with his blessing than 100% would go without his blessing. That's what the tithe really is all about. Guess what? That's what the Sabbath is about too. The Sabbath is about saying, God, I'm trusting you that if I work six days and don't work on the seventh day, that actually the six days with your blessing will actually be more productive than me trying to do it all in seven days without your blessing. It's all about trusting. Number three, write this one down. Rest is not just a trust. Rest is a necessity. (laughs) Do you know this? God created your body this way. He created your mind that he created your soul this way that you need rest. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. You've got to have rest for your body and for your soul. And here's what I'll tell you. If you don't get anything else, if you don't stop to rest, your body will stop you and make you rest. In fact, man, I've seen it. People who who go, 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 go. And what happens? Eventually their body shuts down. And if their body doesn't shut down, it's their mind that shuts down, their emotions that shut down. Now, why do you think we have so many people who wind up in hospitals because of anxiety attacks and they think they're having a heart attack? What's really happening is their body is saying, you can't go anymore. And let me just tell you something. It's a whole lot better to have voluntary rest than involuntary rest. See, rest is... Man, rest is commanded for, uh, from, uh, from God for us. Rest is, is trusting God. Rest is something that is necessary. But number four, check this one out. Rest is a gift. You know what, guys? When we, don't, when we don't rest, you know what we're doing? We're refusing the gift that God has given us for our lives. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It says, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. In other words, what he's saying, hey... This this whole idea of stopping and resting, taking a Sabbath day, slowing down your schedule just a little bit. This idea was given to us by God for us as a gift. See, God wants us to rest so that we'll be at our best. And sometimes what we think is we think, man, I got to make it all happen and I got to do it all. And I got to do all these things in my schedule and all this. But guess what, guys? There comes a, a point in our lives where we reach this point of diminishing returns, like we keep going, but the energy that we are expending is far more than, than the effectiveness than, that we're getting by the stuff that we're doing. And God gave us this gift so that we could be more effective in life. You See, sometimes we just keep going. And what, what we don't realize is that our effectiveness is going down and down and down and down because our bodies and our minds and our souls are so worn out. And what we really need is we need a day of rest. We need some time to schedule rest into our, into our lives, into our schedules. We actually become better when we, do. it's a gift, a gift from God. So some of you say, all right, pastor, I'm convinced I need to rest. But you don't know my schedule. You don't know my life. You know how chaotic it is. Not like I can just stop and take a day off. And it's not like I can just take a nap. I got a two-year-old at home. You don't understand. Yes, I do. I do have a two-year-old at home too. What do I do? Where do I find this rest that you're talking about, Pastor. I'm going to tell you where, and I'm going to warn you before I tell you that it's going to sound like a very preachery, churchy kind of an answer. And yet I'm still going to tell you what it is because it's just simply true. The truth is this. You will never, never find rest for your body, mind and soul anywhere else except in Jesus. Man, we live a chaotic life. And I mean, sometimes there's stuff you just have to do. And here's what I want to tell you. Yes, we need to set aside some time for rest in our life. But what we really need more than anything is a rest for our souls. In fact, the scripture says it like this. Look what the psalmist says. He says in Psalm 61:2 and verse 1, My soul finds rest where? In God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Can I tell you, there's no person that's going to give you this kind of rest. There's no vacation that's going to give you this kind of rest. Yes, you should Sabbath, but there's even no day off that's going to give you rest. This kind of rest, the kind of rest I'm talking about, it only comes from God. In fact, I love the way St. Augustine said it. He says, you have made us for yourself. O oh Lord, our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. And can I tell you here today, you're never going to find true rest for your soul until you learn to rest in him. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary, all you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give to you is light. Jesus says, if you're tired and you're worn out, here's what I want you to do. Come to me. When we come to him, what does he say we'll find? We'll find rest. And what kind of rest will we find? Rest for our our souls. And then he says something kind of strange. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, if you don't understand agriculture and stuff, you don't maybe understand what this was. They would have understood it in those days because they would have known exactly what a yoke was. A yoke was a harness that they would put on the oxen. See, see in order to plow the fields, they would take, they would take oxen and they would, they would hitch the plow to the oxen. But what would happen is if you had two oxen, you could plow faster. But, but sometimes you'd have one oxen that would try to take off and go faster than the other one and would get ahead and get out of rhythm. And so they would take a yoke. And they would place it on the neck so that the two oxen were hitched together so that they could go at the same rhythm and the same pace. In fact, they were more effective that way. And here's what Jesus was saying. Some of you trying to get ahead of me. Some of you trying to run out on your own and trying to do it all by yourself. And here's what I want you to do. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, get hitched up to me. Don't try to outrun me. Go at the same rhythm that I'm going. And when you go at God's rhythm, guess what's going to happen? Instead of all this chaos in your mind and your soul and you lay down at night and your mind won't shut down and all this stuff, this business that we live in in this world. If you'll go at God's pace, if you'll live at his rhythm, then there will be a rest, not just for your body, but a rest for your soul. In fact, the psalmist said it like this. I love this passage. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Look what it says we ought to do. We ought to be still and know that he is God. You want to know how to have this kind of rest? There's two things found right in this passage. Be still. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, be still. Be still. Notice this. It doesn't say be busy. (laughs) It doesn't say be productive. It doesn't say be stressed out. It doesn't say be wound up. What does it say? It says, be still. You know, this rest that I'm talking about, you know what it start, where it starts? A slowing down. Being still. Taking a moment. And then what does it say? It says, and know that I am God. You know the reason some of us are so wound up on the inside? Man, I experience it in my life too. And you know why? It's Because we're trying to be God. We're trying to control it all. We're trying to do it all. We're trying to make it all happen. I got to run over here and do this. And I got to make this happen. And if I don't do it, then it's not going to happen. And rest is about saying, no, no, no. I don't have to make it all happen. I don't have to do it all because I'm not God. God's the one in control. And so I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know that even when I'm not working, he is working. Even when I'm not doing it, he's still doing it because he's God and he's in control. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I don't know if you guys know, like I've been in probably the busiest season of my entire life and entire ministry over this last, really over this last three months or so, had some stuff happen, and then the building, and just all, I mean, busy stuff. And this sermon I'm preaching, I've been kind of preaching it to myself here lately. One day we were in here on a Wednesday, and we have our staff prayer in here, on Wednesdays, and we were praying together, and I was just opening my and I, man, I, my mind is going chaos, and I'm trying to pray, and I can't pray, because I'm thinking about, you know, the builders calling about this, and this is happening, and I, I hadn't told somebody, I got put in this position where now I'm the leader, not just of our church, but over about a hundred ministers in our area, it's, it's called a presbyter, and so there's all that going on, and then I got teenagers, one's in high school, and I got a two, and I got all this stuff going on, and my mind is just it won't slow down and I can't concentrate and I'm trying to pray and I'm thinking I got to lead the staff and I got to open up my Bible. And I come to this passage in Psalms 62 in verse two, this is what it says. It says, I find rest in God. Only he can save me. He is my rock. That was important. And my salvation, he is my defender and I will not be defeated. And as I read that passage, the Lord just kind of put this picture in my mind. And this doesn't happen very often for me. Usually when I'm reading my Bible, like I'll study it and the Lord will speak to me. But usually it's in words. Usually they start with the same letter, you know, like four points. And that's kind of the way it works for me. But this time, and this doesn't happen very often, but the Lord gave me a picture. And as I read that, all the chaos going on, I pictured myself. In the middle of an ocean, storm all around, like wind and waves. And I'm thrashing around trying to tread water in the ocean. And I can't, I'm barely keeping my head above water. And I'm worn out and I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm going, I, I got to make it happen. I got to do it all. I got to keep all these balls in the air. And the wind and the waves and all this stuff around me. And then the Lord showed me that right beneath my feet, there was a rock. And all I had to do was stop thrashing around, stop trying to tread water with my feet and put my feet down and be still. And so in my picture, I put my feet down and I just stood there and the wind was still blowing. The water was still around me. and I was still standing in the middle of an ocean with huge waves around me, but I got to rest because I was standing on a rock. Some of you are here today, and that's the picture of your life. Like you're thrashing around, trying to make it all happen. And you don't realize that the very feet, just below your feet, that you're kicking around trying to tread water and keep your head above water. There's a rock there. And all you got to do is stop. Be still. Put your feet down. Stand upon the rock of Jesus. And in him alone. It doesn't make the chaos go away. But there can be a calm, and there can be a peace, and there can be a rest. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do something a little different. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going to be a little strange because we don't don't like this. See, one of the things that, that we don't like is we don't like quiet. We don't like to be still. In fact, we fill our lives up with noise. And you know why I think it is? I think it is because we know that when we're still and we're quiet... That's when God kind of starts to speak to us. And that's when we have to deal with stuff that we don't really want to deal with. So what do we do? We just fill our lives up with more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. And it's not just in our life. We do it in church because quiet is awkward. And so what do we do in the transitions? We fill it up with music or a video or talking or something. Because when it's quiet, everyone's like, oh, that's weird and that's awkward. But we're going to be weird and awkward for a second. I'm going to make it less weird and awkward because we're going to give a little quiet music behind it. We're not going to make it total silence, but this is what we're going to do. We've got about three minutes here. I'm going to actually set my timer on my phone for three minutes. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be still. We're going to know he's God. Some of you are here today. Man, this next three minutes will be the only three minutes you've had like this in months. And as we just sit, in, with little quiet music, Josh back there tingling on the guitar, we're going to be still. I'm not going to say nothing, but I believe God's going to say some things to you. Let's take this next three minutes. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to bow your head, whatever you want to do, let's just take a moment. The presence of God. Some of y'all don't even want that to stop. Did you notice how the whole atmosphere of the room changed? What if we did that every day?